friends, welcome to another episode of Mumbrella's one-on-one podcast series. I'm your host and the editor of Mumbrella, Neil Griffiths. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the previous episodes of the one-on-one series. Last week, we had co-founder of Thinkabell, Adam Ferrier. The week before, we had Australian film icon, Eric Banner. And the first week, of course, was the former Nike CMO and one of the headliners at this year's Mumbrella 360 conference, Greg Hoffman. You can listen to all them right now. But this episode, I'm so excited to introduce my guest. He is Mark Coe, the CEO of IPG Media Brands, and he joined me at Mumbrella HQ for this one-on-one episode, as well as talking about all his prior experience in the industry and his work with IPG. Mark and I talked at length about, in particular, the pitch process, the good, the bad, the ugly, what needs to be changed, what works, what doesn't. Mark also shared his thoughts and predictions about the industry in the years to come and where he sees the industry placed in five to 10 years. I had so much fun chatting to Mark, and I'm so excited to share this episode with you now. Here is Mark Code on the one-on-one podcast series. Mark, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Nice office. Thank you so much. Would you prefer Cody or Mark in this? Uh, I like well, to be informal, but I, I don't want to pretend. I, uh, whatever you prefer. I, I <laughs> tend to get Cody more often than not. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on, and thank you for making the trip to Sydney. You are a Melbourne boy. Uh, uh, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm up here a lot. In fact, I'm, yeah, I'm probably here. Yeah, I'm here a lot. So. Are you here because Taylor Swift is done in Melbourne and now she'll be uh, in Sydney? Certainly not. Well, having said that, it's made it difficult to find a room in Sydney this week. <laughs> it's been a bit tough, I hear. It's crazy. It's a- crazy. Alleged price gouging by hotels. Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, hotels that you'd normally pay 300 for, you might find yourself <laughs> paying 900 for. <laughs> Well, not, th- not, not, not that I'm doing that. Thank you for coming on. Again, um, This is you know, the one-on-one format is very informal and casual. So yep. if we go on yep. territories, we can go anywhere. We can talk yep. the weather if you wanted to. I- ideally not stay on the weather too long because it can get dry very quickly. <laughs> but um, it- it's great to have you on. Um, you were one of the first people we flagged as we wanted to get you on because... Thank you. Uh, very wise man, a lot of great thoughts. I did want to start with... Um, the Dynamic Duos piece that Mumbrella published probably in May last year, I think it was. Was it that long ago? It was you and, and your cousin, the great Billy Baxter. Yep. Um, I, I, anyone who hasn't uh, seen that, jump on the Mumbrella website and check it out. It's a great read. Um, I did want to start there, though, because, one, Billy's your cousin, but yep. two, uh, listening to some of or reading about some of your background, sorry, and was it you or Billy that you, you were at Y&R and you landed um, a Nintendo account? Yes, I uh, I grew up in and went to university in country Victoria, um, and I moved to Melbourne when I graduated and sort of scratched around looking for a job. But anyway, I got my first job in a media agency. Uh, my second job was at Y&R. Um, but the reason I shared the move to Melbourne thing is the only person I knew when I moved to Melbourne was Billy. Right. Um, so we shared a house together and we, we mucked around together and had a ball and played sport and did all that. Um, and he was a sales rep for Gillette. This this was in the article. Yeah. And, uh, and he... With the sales rep, he had the uh, st- standard issue Ford Falcon station wagon full of full of razor blades uh, <laughs> that we used to uh, take on a few road trips. And um, but he always, he studied marketing. He always wanted to get into marketing or advertising. Um, and we pitched and won the Nintendo business. They were looking for a junior suit. Um, I said to Billy, "You should apply for that." He went through the process and got the job. We ended up working together. What is that like? Because now I'm just a gaming nerd, and in the '90s, Nintendo was. I don't even know what you can compare Nintendo to. Today's world. Uh, it was the you, biggest thing. It was huge. But, uh, I mean, you're testing my memory. That, that was 
25 years ago. <laughs> Having, I've still got my Nintendo Game Boy, though. Do you with, actually? Yeah, with Tetris, yeah. I, I still play Mario Kart in 64. Yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't a big game head, but no, I still had my Game Boy. It was a bit more nostalgia from that, from working mm. on it that time, actually. Mm. So I think we launched, oh, gee whiz, I can't remember. We, we certainly, I think we launched Game Boy at the time, and wow. there was a few versions of Nintendo. I can't even remember the name of the machines yeah. now that we, we, we worked on. But yeah. yeah, it was when that whole video game thing was kind of taking off in this country. Yeah, mm. and in that same piece, I think it was Billy that mentioned it, that uh, you guys had family members who were all in the advertising industry. Uh, yeah, my f- my father did. Yep. So um, dad was uh, he worked in agencies. In fact, mum and dad met uh, at what what was USP Needham, wow. uh, which is the original carnation of DDB. Yeah. Uh, they they met working together there, I believe. Um, and so yeah, dad worked in agencies um, for the last part of his career. He was a senior marketer within the Colesmeyer Group, working at Target. He ran all the Colesmeyer sort of master media negs and stuff like that. So, yeah, he, he, he worked in the industry. So is it true that you and Billy knew you wanted to be in business, but at least growing up together, you didn't necessarily want to be in advertising? What changed there? Um, I, I don't remember actually talking to him about that as a kid. I mean, I, I mean, I clearly wanted – I wanted to work in marketing. I didn't really know what. I mean, when I, I touched on before, when I moved to Melbourne having graduated – I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm. I uh, I applied for everything from market research roles to junior marketing roles, and I I actually I got an interview with a company called Total Media, not related to the Total we know re- from recently in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, was part of the Mattingly Group back then, and uh, yeah, got a job as a, as a media assistant at and I. And I'll concede I didn't even know what a media agency did when I walked in for the interview. So, so it wasn't a conscious decision. It it, it just played out that way, to be honest. How with you. how did that interview go? Uh, yeah, it was good. It was with a lady uh, who I still see from time to time. Not 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 as much older. Called Pam O'Connor. She yeah. was the uh, she was the boss, and another lady called Dana Sewell, both of whom I've kept in touch with. They were wow. my two first bosses. Uh, yeah. But no, it was good. It was uh, they were looking for a they were looking for a couple of graduates, and yeah, luckily they picked me. Yeah, mm. um, one of the big things we'll talk about on today's episode is about the pitch process. Yep. So to be transparent for for listeners right now, we're recording this a couple of days removed from a big feature we put up online about the pitch process. That it's it's potentially the poison apple of Adland right now, and also another story about Kia Australia. You can read about them on myumbrella.com.au right now. Um, before we get into subject matter of those stories, I just wanted to ask you straight off the bat, what is your thoughts on the pitch process in 2024? Um, I don't I don't see the pitch process has necessarily changed in 2024. I don't think much has changed. I mean, it, it, it comes and goes. There are times where the, the requirements of a pitch process are quite onerous. Um, we've seen that the last sort of carnation of that or the version of that, if you like, was the role of procurement and media pricing. I, th- I think that went overboard a couple of years ago. It, that's wound back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I haven't seen a real change in the way clients are pitching. Um, I often say, you know, it, it, it's part of what we do. You know, it, it, we're always going to be we, – we can, we, can, we can moan about the process. It's not going anywhere. Like we're, we're barking at the moon, right? But we, we can – have a point of view on whether the processes that they're asking of us are too onerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some pitches we go through are extremely well run. Uh, they're not onerous. Um, we win, lose, 
some of those. Um, some are some are quite onerous, possibly too onerous. But I, but I don't think that's going to change. And yeah. it, you know, we're, we're entitled to. We we have conversations with pitch consultants or even the clients themselves and talk about you know, do you really need all of that from us? Um, you know, clients are happy to have those conversations. Yeah. Um, but I think they're, you know, at one end of the spectrum. If I, if we if I walked into a legal office and said to the guy, look, this is my case, or girl, this is my case, I'd like you to prepare a response for me. Um, I'm going to ask another three lawyers to do the same thing, um, and if I like it, I'll pay for it, I'll buy it from you. Um, they tell me to get stuffed, right? <laughs> but we're not Rightfully law- so. Yeah, but we're not lawyers. Like We've got to be realistic about that. You know, Clients are entitled to um, have a rummage around under the hood to see if we're the type of people they want to work with and whether we're able to help them solve their problems. Um and I think they're entitled to do that. And the, the same way we're entitled to brief three tradies to put plans together to help us build a house and then we choose one. You know, it's kind of a cost of doing business. But my view is uh, it's part of the game as long as they don't ask for more than what's reasonable. So when you talk about the it's onerous, is there a specific thing about that? Is it the cost? Is it the time it takes? Uh, that comes in different forms. Yeah. Uh, I've, seen, um, I've seen cost benchmarking templates... Uh, we're, we're required to fill out every cell. Uh, there's 12 tabs. Uh, it covers every media channel in every market, in every part of the year, uh, including 4BC Brisbane, what's your daytime rate? Mm. Uh, and it's like, you don't even buy radio in Brisbane. What are you asking us that for? You know, like, I, it's just too much. So I've seen that. Um I've also seen just multiple briefs. I've, I've seen clients pitch where they might have three or four different divisions and in order to bring all their stakeholders along the ride, all four divisions have said, we want to put a brief in. So we end up responding to four briefs. Mm. You know, I'd like to think they'd be able to work that out. Yeah. So when I say onerous, it, it workload, what they seek of us can sometimes exceed, I think, what they need in order to make an informed decision. Yeah. I mean, you said there, it's, it's the process itself probably won't change. It's like barking at the moon. But we've, Mumbrella's recently turned comments back on and a lot of comments on the story, some were shocked by what um, some of these people were saying. Some were saying this has been the case for 20 years. Do, do you kind of have that sense as well, which is like there's nothing that's too crazy or different about what's happening now. It's maybe just more prevalent. Um, like I said, I, I'm not seeing a, a – th- there are outliers, but I'm not seeing a fundamental change in the, uh, the way pitches are being run, you know, this year versus last year versus five years ago. Yeah. There's always going to be outliers. Is there something you want to see as far as the process being different, as far as making it better for everyone involved? Are there things that you think could be done better? Um, so we're, we're, we're a big contributor uh, and being a, on the board of the MFA to the uh, the pitch guidelines that we put together with the AANA, I think there's a lot of value in there that talks to, and it helps inform all parties about what's a reasonable process to go through. So if you've not sought those out, I'd, I'd, I'd ask you to. Um, but in terms of improvement, n- 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 there's nothing specific that comes to mind other than just ask yourself the question. Well, firstly, most advertisers, most clients have, do have a respect for people's time, so they do they do go into it with some compassion. Sure. Um, and you know we respect that. And again, that just talks to the type of people that which you know because we, we make choices as to who we want to work with as well. Sometimes, sure. sometimes we we won't pitch because you know. Um, but if a client runs a very fair process, um, we saw one this year. I can't remember the client actually. I 
possibly couldn't name them anyway, but, but <laughs> who, who, who very deliberately said, look, we're, uh, here's the pitch timelines, but we're going we're gonna to put two, uh, three weeks in the middle of that because it's Christmas. So we'll do this up to mid-December and then we'll pick it up in you know, late Jan. Um, I've worked with other clients who will brief us on Christmas Eve and response on the 12th of January. Wow. You know, and both of them speak volumes as to what type of clients they're going to be. Yeah, right. Speaking more widely about the industry I and mean, maybe stepping away from the, from pitching for a second, is there anything that you're seeing currently in the industry? I mean, and saying this, we're only in late February of 2024, but maybe in the last 12 to 18, maybe even two years, is there anything that you've seen that's, that's really different to the way you've gone about business? Like, say, go back to thinking about you in the early 90s in Melbourne. Is there anything that's drastically different? Maybe it's for the better or the worse? Um, I don't know. Not that it's been a conscious change to the way we do things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one thing that's changed massively is just the complexity. Um, you know, when I was on the tools buying TV, it wasn't complicated. You know, there were three, three, <laughs> three free-to-air TV networks, a few regionals, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, it was pretty straightforward. Sure. I, four, I should include our friends at SBS. Um, but, the, but, the, but the complexity now and, and what's needed now, and most agencies would be spending – you know, I'll give you a range. I know what ours is, but most agency groups would be spending between forty and sixty cents in the dollar now in digital environments. Mm-hmm. Whether you include, you know, performance media, digital, or or, or just digital streaming channels of uh, of traditional uh, tr- traditional broadcasters, mm. the complexity that comes with that is massive. And everyone listening to this knows that. But that's in my time, that's the biggest change I've seen. Would you have a message for anyone, anyone in the media and marketing industry, in, in the broader sense? Of, would you have a message for them as something to aspire to, something to engage with that maybe they're not right now? Um, in terms of people, from a career advice point of view, mm. in that context, the best advice I can give, and I do try and give this to anyone who cares to listen to me, <laughs> is, uh, is is be a specialist. Like choose your okay. lane. Um, we were generalists, and 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 in that environment, specialists will prevail, and people will seek out your skills. Um, they're, they're prepared to pay for them. Um, and whether that's, you know, just choose a lane. It doesn't have to be a big, wide lane, but if you're a specialist in a certain area within a very complicated landscape these days, you'll succeed. So it doesn't help to be a, a master of none as opposed to, you know, what's, what's the term? Great at all trades, but master of none? Oh, uh, yeah, what is it? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the key you're saying. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you still you still need to be generalist, you know. It, it, I mean, again, I look at the client leads uh, that we've got now. I mean, the... the, the, the the capability that most agency groups have got within their armory to help our clients solve their problem is extensive. Yeah. Um, and I've, you know, people who know me will laugh at this because they've heard me say it so many times, but client leads are almost like the conductor of a band. You know, they, they, they need to assemble this orchestra of all these different capabilities. And there was a time where they were expected to know how to play every one of those instruments, and they don't need to know that anymore. They just need to know where to find them and when to dial them in and what they do. Um, and that's the best way I can define a client lead, but is it, that's, that role has never been more complicated. Why is that? Because of that complexity, because yeah. of the, 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 the different array of skills I now have to assemble. Yeah. Is that, like, when we talk about how complex it's become, is, is, that, is that a good thing? Should it be kind of broad in a little bit? Does it need to be as complex as it is? Um, I, th- I, th- I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. I, th- I think our world's more complicated. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I... I, I yeah, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. And coming on to media brands itself, um, obviously you guys have been doing some great work 
Can you tell us a little bit about the last few years and, and what's coming up? Are you even allowed to talk about what's happening with you guys this year? Um, I can talk about a couple of things we've been working on, and we have we have uh, we have spoken about this publicly. I mean, you know, there's the external work we're trying to do, which is you know we're all in the business of growth, so we you know we're we're making inroads into 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 new clients and new revenues. The biggest project internally, and this sounds really boring, um, but one of the biggest <laughs> we'll projects- we make it we, fun. Yeah, we'll try and make it fun. Um, it, it, we've, we've embarked on a big program internally of transformation. We, we, we Media agencies, by and large, are doing the same thing they did 30 years ago. I've, this, there's an article, I think it might be Umbrella, I can't remember, a year or two we'll ago. We'll claim it, when, if not, it's yeah, fine. <laughs> when we started doing this, which was- there, there's a lot of menial and manual tasks in media agencies. So we've embarked on a big program to to either, uh, well, not so much remove them from our business because they still need to be done, but we've changed the way they should be done. So we've, okay. we've spent a lot of money on, um, we've now got eight bots who are doing things within our organisation that humans used to do, loading bookings, tracking, post analysis, you know, that kind of stuff, that mundane side of handling a tonnage of media that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um and as I said, that that doesn't sound exciting, but um, if you're a kid in a media agency, it is because you get to do a whole lot of other stuff instead of get buried under a pile of admin. So that that's uh, we've made some big changes on that within our environment. That's probably probably one of the biggest programs we've had. Yeah, are, are terms like AI something that you are even concerned about? I know that it's quite divisive in the media and marketing industry. Some people love it. Some people think it's it's going to ruin things. Some people just think it's a helpful tool. <laughs> There's, it, I've, I'm yet to hear kind of a down the middle response. It's either it's going to be really good or really bad. Um, how do I say this? I, I, I'm not certainly not afraid of it. Mm. I mean, it, it, it's 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 going to help us do our job and probably do it more effectively. And again, if I, if I talk in a similar vein to what I just mentioned around some of the automation projects we're doing, it's a sort of further expansion of that. It's sort of a, a predictive expansion of that. Um, so there's no doubt AI will help will help us do what we do more efficiently, more expediently, with less issues. That, 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 and there's a whole heap of that coming at us. That and that's from an admin point of view. From a from a media planning point of view, yeah, I can see a day where uh, where, 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 where we'll be asking a machine what's the optimal optimal way for this brand to reach this audience under these circumstances, and they'll tell us that. Mm. Um, is that going to is that going to take our jobs off us? Probably not. We still need to facilitate that. There's still a human element to that. Yeah. But it's going to enhance our ability to do it. Do you remember what conversations were like in the early 90s when the internet was coming up and how that played a role in, in what you did? Um, yeah, this is just another question I have. Just yeah, it's, uh, yeah, You always get yeah. such different responses. Yeah, yeah. People at the time thought, oh, this is kind of just the, <laughs> the silly little thing that just happens over there. It's. Uh, I still remember uh, – I still – this is, this is going to make me sound old. I still remember <laughs> coming up to turning up to work when I didn't have a computer. Yeah, sure. Like seriously, we. Used what to, did you work on? We used to. Sorry, we're going down memory lane here. <laughs> we used to. We used to write media plans on on like blank Excel grids. We used to write them out and With take feathers. No, <laughs> we used to chip them in stone. Chisel them in stone. <laughs> the Flintstones is based on real life people. Yeah, but it's, it's legit. We used to. Yeah, I remember wow. this machine that used to hold all the audience, um, you know, data, 
uh, some dot matrix computer printer <laughs> thing, and you'd seriously pick your TV rate card and your audience, and you'd hit some buttons, and it'd print out your cost per ratings wow. by pro- spit out this massive dot matrix sheet of here's all your programs from top to bottom for the most cost efficient to the least, and then you'd literally go through it with a blank, with a sheet of television <laughs> of bales of what was still there for sale or not, and you'd write your TV schedules up. That sounds pretty straightforward though. Like that doesn't sound arduous. Or did you just well, kind like of I said before, it? that was where life was a little, little <laughs> bit less complicated. Sure. But uh, I, don't know, I sound like an old prick when I say that. But, but it's <laughs> legit. I, I tell my kids that so they laugh at me. I mean, I'm only 33 yeah. and I'm at an age where blockbuster video is old. So I can only imagine how <laughs> you feel. We have people in this office who are like, what do you mean? What's a DVD? I still remember when my, my son, my son Sam, he's now nearly 22, he said, Dad, what happened you when you got your first mobile phone? And I said, oh... I don't know, 27? <laughs> and he honestly thought I was bullshitting him. With the, was this the phone, the Nokia with Snake 2 on it? No, no, this was the, it was actually a car phone, the original. Oh, the, you, yeah, you, yeah, you used yeah. to get them plumbed into your car, do you remember? Yeah, sure. Mm. Wow. <laughs> well, I know that you're a busy man and your time is valuable, but I did want to chat to you quickly about the debate between Indies versus Holcos. Yep. Now, I know this is a very contentious spot for some people. <laughs> And I know you have a lot of thoughts about it, so I'm going to <laughs> metaphorically give you the microphone. Uh, you know, I've thought about this. Uh, the um, I, 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 I honestly don't know what to make of this because every time I pick up some other press release or some something's been published, it's, all, it's like it's like the Indies are waging war against the whole coast. <laughs> um, and, and, and I'll just sit there and go, it's, it's so unnecessary. Like this, There's room for everyone in this industry. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there are clients that are going to be suited to the complexity of a, of, a, 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 of a significantly sized agency uh, and all that they can bring. And there are clients who are more suited to a hands-on, well-experienced, probably owner-operated independent agency. It, it doesn't have to be us versus them. And I, I, I do get frustrated at the, um, at, the, uh, at the war that they seem to wage. When did this, at least from your perspective, when did this start? When did this metaphorical war begin? Um, well, I think, I think the um, the IMAA seemed to have found their voice. Um, and uh, look, credit to them. I mean, the, I mean, the IMAA, they're a fantastic marketing bureau for the independent media um, agencies of, 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 the, of, of, of the world. But, um, but you know, I, I just don't think they should lose sight of the fact that the, the, the whole co's also do a tremendous amount of heavy lifting. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we work on for the collective good of the industry, whether that's around regulation or... Um, measurement systems or, um, you know, those type of areas and, and, and diversity, sustainability. Um, and we all we all, always see the whole coast doing a lot of heavy lifting in that space that we're all the beneficiaries of. Mm. So, you know, I, I think there's room for everybody. And I think we should all, we should all recognise that. So do you think this is a battle that, like, it's just, it's made up? Is it like a kind of a thing where there's a belief that they're at odds or are they at odds when they really don't need to be? I don't think they need to be at all. I, th- yeah. I think there's a there's a marketing agenda that a lot of the indies are driving, you know, to their credit. Um, but uh, I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we finished that on a high note. <laughs> Cody, thank you so much for coming on the show. And if you're liable for any of this, uh, this is not my fault. I was never here. Um, thank you for your time, and I really appreciate it. It was great to chat to, chat to you for a little bit. Yeah, no, all good. Thanks, mate. Thanks we'll, for having me in. We'll talk soon. That's our episode this week. Thank you again for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to get your tickets to the Retail Marketing Summit happening in Sydney on the 13th of March. You can get your tickets at mumbrella.com.au forward slash retail. That's all the time we have for, and we'll see you next week. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.